Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to Theater and College Hoops. Sam Subi alongside me is Taylor Namel and the Shark. We're brought to you by Dash Radio and the Barnburner Podcast Network. Go subscribe on whichever device you use. I actually heard Evan Smotrich, formerly Maryland Terrapin, Michigan Wolverine, subscribe, so you should as well. Check out the website at thebarnburner.com. That's the-barnburner.com. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at CBB Theater. You should also follow me at Subi232 to find out where the feet is and make sure to follow Taylor at Taylor Dammel and the shark at the underscore shark underscore BB. We're sponsored by Blue Note, artfully crafted small batch bourbon distilled in Memphis in honoring the Memphis Blues. Be noteworthy, Memphis. few episodes ago we discussed airports and i kind of threw SeaTac under the bus because it was under construction at the time that i was there and the security lines suck so i still have that memory of SeaTac in my brain and i still rank them pretty low shark you traveled through SeaTac. do we have an official grade or reaction to seattle tacoma airport didn't get much of a reaction i landed in a terminal that was under construction so as soon as i stepped put my boots on the mm-hmm. ground I'm automatically it's wicked loud. I, I can't hear anything as soon as I'm walking. So I'm not going to hold it against them because I'm all for 
you know, people in airports doing what they need to do to better themselves. So I support that and I, I encourage that. So I'm not going to give them a full reaction yet. But outside of that, you know, it was, it was kind of just, you know, an 89 mile per hour fastball right down the middle, kind of a normal uh, baggage claim, not much in terms of food. I will say I kind of got light. I got to take a rental car. So I, I, I timed it perfectly. Right. You know, I go to the bathroom, I hit, I get my bag right at the baggage claim at the right time. And then I hop right on the rental car bus right after Like everything was in succession. So that's a positive, even though it has nothing to do with the actual airport itself. Well, what do you mean? It doesn't have anything to do with the airport. That's part of the airport process right no, there. Is... That's, that's more, that's more me. That's more of a compliment to <laughs> me right there. Making sure I can time <laughs> the sequence of that event. Um, oh, so no delays, no trap. It was all you that the process went smoothly, right? Actually, now that I think about it, I do have a, something to nick them on here. My terminal, I had to take one of those and you have to do this in O'Hare too. I don't like taking a a tram like a subway to get the baggage claim. Yeah, you, know you flew I mean? in, like, I you flew into you flew into Terminal N, and that's under construction. Yeah. Well, hold yeah, on. I you guys have letters whatever. for terminals, not numbers. North and south. Uh, that might. That's another knock in my book. I didn't even know that. What are they supposed didn't to like call it. them? Numbers. <laughs> Go with them. A- terminal N. <laughs> yeah, for no, north no. north satellite terminal and the south satellite terminal is S. Do they have corresponding numbers with them, though, or is it strictly letters? Well, each, well, each gate has a number, yeah. It's not like they just go, like, gate Z. It's a, the north satellite terminal, the south satellite terminal, and then you have the main terminals, which are A, B, C, D. Give me numbers. There's a lot of numbers. There's only 26 yeah, letters, yeah. plenty of numbers. In his defense, a lot of airports do do letters. It's just their choice of letters is kind of strange. N and S, that's weird. Most people do A, B, C, D. Uh, terminals, but well, a, a B C D is in the main terminal. It's Pacific Northwest. It's weird up here. I, I don't like it up here. I'm, I'm outside of you see, Tacoma. You guys like judging Tacoma. the SeaTac Airport is like asking someone to watch one college basketball game, one half of one college basketball game, and then break it down. You haven't spent the time in the gym at SeaTac like I have. Okay, the place Maybe, is a, a wonderful place. You have to be able to hit first impressions. No one really like spends time in airports. Hey, I, I spent. I this. No, I spent. Uh, you spend shark. You spend time in multiple airports. You, you, you're across the entire country. But I mean, I'm guessing this is not a joke. We figured this out one time. I bet you that I've spent equivalent to something like three weeks of entire total days of my life at the SeaTac Airport. Because every single time flying out of Alaska, you had to, and still most for most of the time had to stop at SeaTac, and usually you leave. Alaska on either the red eye or the earliest flight of the day. If you take the red eye, then you're at SeaTac for three or four hours minimum. Similarly, the only time you can really fly into Alaska is that red eye flight. So you fly into SeaTac and they have to sit there for three or four hours minimum to wait for your evening flight too. So that's like six hours of SeaTac every single time you go somewhere to and from Alaska. I will say if I had to compare this airport to a college basketball team, which I think is kind of the theme that's generating out of this I would say my general reaction, my general reaction to SeaTac is a Mississippi State. They're sitting on that 8-9 line nearly every single year. They're good. They might upset you. They had a good season, but there's just not enough in it. The experience wasn't overwhelming enough for me to push them out to the Sweet 16. Good team, so, not great. So is there like main terminal with the, with the huge windows and all the restaurants and all that type of stuff? What is that like Renardo City or Jarvis Renardo? Who is that? 
Yeah, Jarvis. I didn't. I didn't get exposure to that. And again, this you is see, all that's I spent uh, about. You, you're missing the best part of the whole airport. It's unbelievable. But, no, see, it, but see, that's why the shark is exactly who we need to to ask. We need, can't exactly. have someone who who has shark been there like it's back. Yeah, quick reaction. You only get one one they're, they're, one first impression in this life. They got Ben Ben Howland's coat. He's got they got a bunch of weather spoons running around in that airport. This is an eight seat. All right, they're not great. All right, sharks, humor me. Get to the airport earlier than normal next time. Go to the main terminal. Get a pizza. Get a pizza from Palazzo's, and get a beer. Sit there, watch the plane take off, and uh, against the entire huge window, it'll change your airport life. I guarantee it. I would never do that in any airport. Watch the airplane. <laughs> what am I a toddler? While you're eating. While you're eating. I get in. I get into my 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 lounge, whatever airline I'm flying. I get into the lounge. I and I settle in and. Uh, I catch up on the news. I will say that I'm flying Alaska Airlines. Hate this airline. Terrible airline. You're coming we're, for we're t- talking, Taylor's neck right now. We're, we're, we're talking about these games. First of all, they don't have little I'm, – I'm doing a cross-country flight. Washington, D.C., the capital of the world, to across the country, <laughs> the biggest country, the most important country in the world. And I can't get a tablet. I can't get a tablet to watch TV. I, can't, I didn't watch any of these games the other night. All I have are highlights and everything. So take that for whatever my analysis on this show is today. I didn't watch any of the games because I couldn't. What, you don't you don't have an you don't have an iPad in 2020. Well, I I do have an iPad, but they don't have a live TV option. I'm watching uh, I'm watching reruns of Boston Legal. I'm watching <laughs> I'm, I'm reading I'm reading my Nathaniel Philbrook book. All right, I'm doing that for six hours. So come on, Alaska. Uh, I mean, I think Alaska Airlines is probably the. I think I think they're like the highest rated airline actually, but. Uh, I've, I've, they're nothing but great airline. Uh, them in Southwest, no complaints ever about them. Ninety-eight percent of the time. Yeah, I mean, for me, I have no qualms really with any airlines unless I'm a little drunk and I have Twitter handy because that that's when I'll actually spew some vitriol towards them. But they all suck. They're all terrible equally ac- across the board. So it's not like I really have one airline that's in my crosshairs more than another one. Oh, I just hate United and American. I just have awful experiences every time. I can. I'll, I'm willing to put that out there. Hate them. Delta's okay. Southwest and Alaska, all four. I'm actually contractually obligated to uh, for to uh, spew uh, positive statement, statements about both of those airlines. But even before my contractual obligation, I was all for Southwest and Alaska. So, so I'm going to ride with them. A little bit of a disappointment there for Shark with SeaTac. You know who else was disappointed this earlier this week? Louisville and Maryland. Louisville, the fourth number one team to go down this year already. Number one teams are six and four, and good God, the ball hasn't even dropped yet in Times Square. We're still waiting on our Sports Center special with all the top plays from the year. We just now got the Time Person of the Year, Hug for Greta Thunberg. And then, four, again, four teams, and we haven't even celebrated the legacy of the great Martin Luther King. Six and four, <laughs> the num- our number one seeds. And the, it begs the question, who was more disappointing between Louisville and Maryland? I'll start. I say it's Maryland because that's a game that they should have won on the road against Penn State, a Penn State team that's solid, currently 8-2 and two entering that game. They were 7-2. and two. But in one of the better rosters, I suppose, that Pat Chambers has had. But if Maryland is supposed to be a top three, top four team, and if I'm putting my neck out on the line on this show – saying that they're potentially underrated, which is what I said last week. And if you want to be taken seriously, you got to win that game. You got to go to State College, which is not a difficult atmosphere to play. 
midweek. Anthony Cowan didn't play very well. I think he shot like five of 17, something like that. And in our Big Ten preview, Taylor, I had said that Maryland has a lot of expectations and hopes for this season. And picking our Big Ten, uh, which is been a lot better than I think many of us had expected. We thought the Big Ten was going to be good. They are great right now. Uh, but the one flaw with the Terps that I said was Mark Turgeon. I don't think he's that great of a coach. And so I was a little bit more disappointed with the Terps uh, than I was Louisville. And quick side note, uh, it feels like Penn State, whenever they get these crazy upsets or these top five upsets, it's always at home. You can never count on them to do it on the road. But it's always at home and it's always during the middle of the week. And in college basketball, more than any other sport, there's these quote-unquote type of games. You referenced one of those games last week uh, when you discussed like the West Coast team going east or an East Coast team going west early in the day, and they're at like a, a noon or 1 p.m. tip-off, and they suck. Well, this is one of those types of games. If you think – if you got Penn State at home and you're a top-five opponent and it's like Tuesday or Wednesday, beware. So I'll beg the question to you first, Taylor – who was more disappointing earlier this week? Was it Louisville or was it Maryland? Well, I'm going to go with Louisville almost for the same reason that you went with Maryland, and that is this is a, still a Mark Turgeon to- coached team. So I can't – I still have no expectation of him, like, all of a sudden elevating some team to greatness where they win these type of games. And I will say, by the time the game tipped, that Penn State line – or that Penn State-Maryland line closed as Penn State being favored in that game. So um, say what we will about betting lines or whatever, how much uh, that actually affects what's going on in the court. You know, not much, but it wasn't from a, from a monetary standpoint, it wasn't an upset. So I, I think I'm more disappointed in Louisville because it was a neutral site. Uh, you're going to lose road games, whether they're good road games or bad road games or whatever. You're going to lose a couple throughout the year. If you're a number one team in the country playing in a MSG type of arena against another good foe, you also need to prove that you are that, that good. You are the number one team in the country because those are those are tournament type of games. You know, you're not going to play a road game in the tournament, obviously. So you, you're probably going to drop a couple of those. But if you, you need to win the big neutral site games if you're going to be the number one team in the country or top seed in the country. Um, Looking at Maryland here, it's funny, and speaking of Washington, D.C., the Washington Post put out an article on uh, Monday that said, the Terps are playing in ways that Mark Turgeon's teams at Maryland never have before. Well, that lasted about 24 hours, because this is exactly what his teams play like, so I thought that was pretty funny. But I'm going to go with uh, Louisville as a little bit of a disappointment. Uh, I, I actually don't think either of these team games are super, like, monster disappointments they're you know penn state's not awesome but it's a road game texas tech obviously went to the final four last year so I, i'd say it's more nitpicking or splitting hairs uh than say some overall wide sweeping um uh indication of how either of these two teams are going to finish the year you know we don't think maryland is going to be uh, all that great when it comes to the tournament because of mark turgeon we saw that this week and then, uh, you know, just like Sharks not sold on Louisville being a top team in the country. And that is probably true as well because they didn't win a, a neutral site game against Texas Tech. Yeah. Shark, based on the highlights that you saw, <laughs> courtesy of Alaska Air, who was more disappointing this week, Louisville or Maryland? Well, 
I will say I didn't even have to watch any of these games because I knew it was going to happen. So <laughs> I've been saying all year, I, all year, Louisville is fake. Okay. They are fake. They have not beaten anyone. They had their big first home game against Michigan after Michigan got hot. It was a perfect flat spot. Louisville blows them out. They, the fact that they can't beat Texas Tech on a neutral court, the, I, when Texas Tech, they, they're, they're, they're broken down. They already have the three losses. They don't return anyone outside of Davide Moretti. They don't get anyone back from last year. And Louisville, the supposed number one team in the country, just I'm told that the game was worse than the score looked, and it was a 13-point game, right? Was it a blowout throughout? It, 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 wasn't, as, it wasn't like a, a barmer. It wasn't competitive. Okay. So, I, I mean, that's definitely the disappointment right there. They were overranked. They were, they were overhyped going into that, and they got exposed right there. They belong anywhere from 10 to 20 in the rankings for the rest 20? of the year. No, for the rest of the year, because they're going to lose more games. I hate to break it oh. to you. Partner. All right, they're gonna I, I lose more games. After this is this not game. a very. This is not a very good. This is not the number one team in the country. That's where they're going to exist for the rest of the year. I'm telling you right now, they are the bigger disappointment. Maryland, I don't think is that big of a disappointment. You guys are. You guys are slandering Penn State. Penn State's going to make the tournament this year. Penn State's a tough club. They are. But so is Texas Tech, and you're somehow slandering Chris Beard, uh-huh. who's probably one of the best coaches in the country. They they did kind okay, of go to it, a final it's four. An actu- it, it's an actual road game. It's an actual Big Ten road game. That happened. This is a neutral court in a in a tournament outside nowhere, and the expectations should be higher for Louisville than they were for Maryland going into it. I, Penn State road game tournament team. Uh, they, I don't think they've made the tournament since like 2011. They have good wins on their schedule this year. I, I think you're discrediting in Penn State a little bit too much. So I think it's more of a disappointment for Louisville than it would be for a team like Maryland who should have lost that game. By the way, I put out that stink line on Twitter before that even happened, and it cashed in. And I'm also seeing another one tonight. I'm not going to tweet it out. I'm just going to say it out loud. But Illinois is somehow favored over Michigan tonight in Champaign. Underwood so, season. Well, what's going on there? That's a little. That stinks. But I think I think that'll be well. Worse. And if if. Michigan wins that game, then I never said that. Well, I'll tell you this much. This is where Brad Underwood lays the, the groundwork for his Big Ten Coach of the Year nominee and win towards the end of the year. But I don't understand why you're writing off Texas Tech because, again, like we had said, this is still a Final Four DNA-type team. I know they lost a lot of their players, but they still have Moretti. They still have Chris Beard. And then let's look at their losses. They have two losses in overtime against DePaul, which was a true road game against Creighton, who's coming on pretty well. And then, of course, to Iowa, who we said is probably the most underrated team in the entire country. So Texas Tech is still good. They're also still very much a tournament team. Penn State is solid, but if you're if you're a top-five team like Maryland's supposed to be, who's getting all of this credit and all of this praise, you know, this was a perfect game for Louisville to lose. I, it doesn't surprise me that Louisville lost this game. I was surprised that Maryland lost this game because I bought into it. I don't agree. I, I think Texas Tech, it was reflected that they are not the team that they were last year. Uh, Jared Culver's gone. Matt Mooney's gone. Tariq Owens is gone. Shout out uh, Jared Culver's brother scoring 100 points in that other game. Um, and that was reflected within their preseason rankings. And so they had a neutral court. They've lost three games going into this already in the season. They're clearly not the team that they were, putting aside the fact that Chris Beard's a great coach. Louisville they were ranked what uh seven at the start of the year like they have they have a hype surrounding them and it's gonna get revealed and people are gonna start to recognize that they don't have the talent jordan Noir is a good player 
but I've been saying it from the outset. He's kind of a finesse guy, despite all of his numbers that he puts up in the game. He, he's a he's Andrew Wiggins. He's a jump shooter. Well, so you say that Louisville is going to fall between ten to twenty, which no, Kentucky no, I didn't say didn't not, not this week. They're not going. It's not going to happen this week. I'm going to say for the rest of the year they're going to exist from ten to twenty because that's who right. they are. But who's going to be? And, and that's fine, maybe on a normal year. But like, who are the fifteen teams you're putting ahead of them every week? Because this, we're having the same problem with essentially every single team outside of like three or four in the country right now. And so, the, the, is well, that I mean, more? I, I think once the conference plays get going and Louisville starts dropping games on the road, you know, at Virginia Tech, and they lose at home to Virginia, and they're they're having all these losses, I think that's going to start accumulating, and they're going to just be in the ten to twenty range. And I think the top ten teams are probably going to be the ones that we're used to seeing uh, outside of. North Carolina outside of uh, Michigan State, like Louisville is always in the top no, ten. Yeah, I, I, mean. I think no, I, I think Mich- Louisville is not always in the top ten, and not recently. And I think Michigan State will be in the top ten. So, well, I, I also when, if if you're expecting Louisville to trip up an ACC play, then extrapolate that to Maryland in a much better conference and Big Ten play. I mean, Maryland's not. I think Maryland's going to be surviving in that fifteen to twenty range. I, I'm not so sure about that. I, that's why I think Penn State is a good team. I think Penn State is someone that's going to be in the tournament picture throughout the year. So I think Maryland is going to be fine. I, this, this is a game that you're supposed to lose, and it's probably a good thing for them to get humbled a little bit earlier in the year because they're riding off the coattails of you know Cowan hitting that 75-foot three-pointer against Illinois over the weekend. They kind of needed something like this. Um, and I think that they are going to be a top-10 team throughout the year. So, so go ahead, Subi, Subi, this is the first year, just kind of going back to the first thing you said, this is the first year that four teams have lost before, four number one teams have lost before January 1st since the AP poll came into play in the 40s. But, I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm just looking at the rankings right now. I mean, I guess your boys at Oregon would have to take Louisville's spot in that top ten. Yeah, you, you're, you're answering a question that I'm not – like. Of course, this week Louisville's still going to be a top ten team. Well, no, no I'm just saying. For, I'm saying I'm extrapolating this over the rest of the year. You know, saying that okay. they're going to be in the ten to twenty range essentially means that you're saying that teams like Tennessee and Butler and Memphis and Florida State and San Diego State are going to be better for the rest of the year than Louisville is. And I just don't see how that's even. I I just don't see that happening. I at do, least not, at least not in a rank. Like, who, <laughs> like who's San Diego gonna, State going to beat? To, that's going to push them over. What well, Louisville is here? If, I to get well, into so, the top ten. You want me to like predict who my top ten is? Well, you can't you predict it. Well, you can't predict it one way and then not want to predict it back the other way. When you asked well, when you were looking I'm, for the information, I'm, why? Well, the, the difference is I'm making a prediction about one team, and then you're turning around and saying, "Hey, man, why don't you go ahead and predict nine other teams?" It's like, well, because college basketball is more than just one team. Like you, the the whole point of the rankings is what, deciding what, how the teams go in order to determine who's best. So what, you can't just say wrong? one team is going to be like this and then hold not on, take into on, account other what, teams. Take it easy. What, what's wrong with me just saying I don't think this team is going to be in the top ten in the middle of the year, and then you're turning around and your counter is to say, okay, who's going to be in the top ten? It's like a preposterous counter. Like what do you? Well, you want because to- the top ten has to have ten teams in it. So fill in the ten. It can't just be Louisville outside I, of it, and then maybe there's going to be other teams that could be there. I'm just telling you, I don't think they're going to be one of those ten. 
how can anyone ever, how can anyone ever have a conversation with you? It's like the alternative is to fill in the blanks of seventeen different scenarios. Well, because you're you're the one who's bringing up the scenario. I think, I think Louisville is going to lose a lot of games in the ACC, and this they were exposed in this matchup. And I okay, think then leave it there. Lose... Then leave it. Then leave it there. Then don't. Then no, don't. Then don't predict I'm... rankings, and then not predict rankings. Well, why not? Because I'm taking the next step. When you lose a lot of games in the ACC, you're going to end up in the ten to twenty range. I mean, what what is so outrageous? And you want me to go you know, open up my algorithm over here and figure out if St. Mary's is going out and get get into the top ten throughout the year? Or Gonzaga, Gonzaga, St. Mary's, Oregon, Seton Hall, uh, North Carolina, uh, Virginia, um, Maryland, Duke, Michigan State, Michigan. Um, where, Perfect. Where, Great. That's nice. Yeah, yeah. There you go. No, Good. Well, was that was that that hard? Come on. No, I mean, it's just ridiculous. You're asking me. To, you, <laughs> I, I see. I, I see. I see where where both both sides are coming from here. But you know, I I just don't. I, my fundamental gr- dif- difference with the shark is that I don't see Louisville dropping a ton of ACC games because we had thought teams like we we come into this season thinking like Duke and and North Carolina are invincible. We've seen what happened with Carolina. I'm not saying Duke's not great, but they can be beat. They can clearly be beat on the road by an inferior opponent. Uh, but it, I could see if, if Louisville does lose a string of games and some of these mid major teams like a Utah state or SDSU, some of these others string together their wins and continue to win. Like again, Gonzaga, they could replace them for sure. And, and they'd stay atop uh, Louisville as as it as the season progresses. Now the other so it, this game begged the question: who was more disappointing, Louisville or Maryland? The other question that it it really evoked for me was, and it's kind of been the the question all season: does everyone just kind of stink, or are there still great teams? Now, in my opinion, I don't think everyone stinks. I think it's just very balanced. I do think. However, and again, you could just point to the records, but I'm looking at how they played. The two best teams in the country right now are Kansas and Ohio State, and I think they are that much better than the rest of the competition. Ohio State has certainly shown that. I'm still going with Kansas based on their talent, based on uh, their point guard play in Dotson, based on Doak, and obviously the Hall of Famer Bill Self. Uh, And even that game against Duke, if they didn't turn the ball over a million times, they'd probably win that game. So I think Kansas and Ohio State – I'd be fine with whomever gets number one next week. I think they're in a stratosphere by themselves as it stands. And then the next tier behind that is Michigan and Baylor, as a matter of fact, because I think Baylor has a couple of really good wins, and they've shown toughness throughout the entire year, and Scott Drew is obviously still a really good coach. So question to you, Shark, is it still very balanced, or do you find one or two teams that are clear-cut favorites above the others? I think you nailed the clear-cut favorites. I think Kansas and Ohio State have definitely separated from the pack a little bit. I think your secondary line there, are you not including Duke, Kentucky, Gonzaga? Uh, I might like, include Gonzaga after after this weekend if they win at Arizona. But based on what Michigan and Baylor have, <laughs> the teams that they've beaten, especially away from their, their, uh, their homes, I mean, I'm talking Baylor against Washington, Actually, Baylor lost to Washington, excuse me, but sorry, right. strike that. But Michigan and Baylor, based on the ranked teams that they've played, uh, I put them above Duke, Kentucky, Gonzaga. Yes, slightly. Yeah, I think you'd be wrong there. I, I would still put Duke and Virginia and even a team like Auburn. Um, 
Maryland still, I'd put all those guys above Baylor at this point. So I don't know. I, I think it's pretty unprecedented what's happening in college basketball this year. And we kind of, everyone really called it, not just us, that there's really no great team going into the year and that there was going to be a lot of parity. There's going to be a lot of ups and downs, but I, I think, Kansas is kind of in a stratosphere of its own right now. Ohio State kind of popped up and surprised a lot of people. But Kansas is just playing possessed, and they also have exactly what you want for a team that, to succeed in a tournament with uh, an outstanding point guard and like a 25-year-old senior that is reliable and doesn't miss any shots. Granted, the shots are like two feet long. but Yeah, as a bookie is – still leading the NCAA in uh, field goal percentage at like 80%. And he's going to be one of those guys. Was it, was it Ben Simmons' rookie year or in college? Someone, someone didn't take a shot outside of like eight feet or something for an entire year. And I feel like that's what Azubuki's year is going to be. Yeah. I, he doesn't need to. I, that, thank you. I fucking love those players. I want yeah, those players right, that know fine. their game. You know how many times we keep saying get on the block, right? And meanwhile, I got Diamond Stone taking corner threes. Like, what are we doing here? <laughs> I love I love Doke. Yeah, no, that's why he's going to be like one of the maybe not national player of the year candidates, or he's going to be a candidate, but that's why he's going to be all first team Big Twelve. I mean, why play to your strengths? Play to your strengths. If you're if you're a seven footer, let's say your first name is Chase, for example, uh, and you're seven feet tall, just dunk the basketball and get rebounds because that's all you really need to do, you know. So, no, I I love it. And, uh, yeah, I'd say Kansas is probably the clear-cut number one team in the country right now. I don't think that's obviously going out on the limb. And I don't – I hate that we kind of have to have this discussion in a way because I'd like to think that we were able to prove the narrative of the normal national media wrong because we are actually way more – or way bigger fans than just, like, the normal ESPN person is. But it really does kind of suck to say that, yeah, I, it, this is what everybody has been pushing this year is a whole ton of parody, and that's exactly what we're getting. I wish that we could say, you know, give some reason that it's not actually like that, but it is completely like that at this point in the year. Last year at this point, we had twice as many undefeated teams as we do now. So it sounds to me then that, that you think everyone is more even. Like the Maybe the way I posed the question wasn't, wasn't well phrased because I still think Kansas and Ohio State – are clearly better than some of the others. But basically, if I were to ask, if I were to say, can, um, I don't know, can Virginia knock off Kansas in a, yeah. in a road game? Yeah. No. no I, I, See, I, I agree with Shark. I don't think they can. I mean, I think they could. I would, they want to be favored or anything, but I don't think Kansas is so much better than anybody else in the country. That I mean, I think they're clearly but like, that's better. What I'm getting at that, but see, that's okay. Clearly, yeah. I mean, but they're that's clearly better, at. but they're not. But they're not like, and they're not uh, to use a term we use all the time. I don't think that they're like an unbeatable juggernaut. They already lost a game this year, you know. So sure. it's not like it's not. We're not even talking about an undefeated team, and not even. And I'm not saying that you have to be undefeated throughout the year because obviously that's damn near impossible, but. I mean, yeah, they already lost a game this year. So to say that they are not beatable by another top 10 team, I think is is uh, not correct, in my opinion. I, mean, I, saw, I, would, I would counter with that by saying that that was the very first game of the year and it was just riddled with turnovers. Sure, sure, right. But, I mean, it's still they still played in that game. And I know we hate those first games. You know, I, you and I and, and Shark kind of hate those first games in a way in, in terms of how it – um, shows the the sex for the, the success for the rest of the year, but yeah, I mean teams lose road games. I mean Colorado beat and ASU beat 
Kansas at Kansas like two of the last four years, right? So to say that they couldn't lose to a top five-ish Virginia team at home, I think is is not accurate. I'm not saying it would happen. I'm saying that I would give it maybe only like a 25%, 20, 20% okay. chance of happening. But to say it's impossible is, I think, is is going too far out on a limb. This particular year, this particular Kansas team. Yeah, that's fair. I want to unpack Baylor for a little bit because, Shark, you, you aren't as high on Baylor as I am. But I think Baylor's a very good team. And what I'm going to – this is – you know how we always – like say that we're Dufraining, you know, getting through the shit, for example, or we're Preston Blaking standing on a hill despite all facts pointing the other way. This is a new one. This is what they do. Baylor, they yoast. Okay? Now, what what is yoasting? This is in reference to, remember the Titans, assistant coach Bill Yoast, I believe is his first name. But what they do with they, in the beginning, man, they jump on you like a starving man on a Christmas ham. <laughs> That's what Baylor does. They jump down your throat right after the tip, and they have like a 15-point lead going into the half and then even within the first five minutes of the second half. But they don't finish the ham. And then they don't score again. They don't finish the ham. The Grinch, he comes down the chimney and he steals the fucking ham. But they they yoast in the very first half. They'll yoast you. And it's they just can't finish, though. past two games – against top 18 teams in Butler and Arizona. They jumped down their throats, but it came down to a couple final possessions uh, in, in both of those games. But I do like Baylor. I think uh, they, they're they able to score very well. Uh, and this game, I think Butler deserves a lot of love as well. We talked about Travis Steele and, and Xavier, but your boy Jordan for Butler coached up a hell of a game. And I actually feel bad for Jordan because – that they had a very last possession to win. I think they were down one, and there was only 0.7 seconds left, so they were inbounding underneath <laughs> their own hoop. So the probability of Baylor winning and hitting a shot with 0.7 seconds left, slim to none. But, I, I, just, I mean, any head coach is going to say, okay, what can I draw up? What am I going to be able to do to get just, just get a decent look? And so Jordan draws up this play for one of his best players or maybe his best player, Kamar Butler, to come streaking across half court, Baldwin. parallel, parallel. Say that again. Kamar Baldwin. Kamar Baldwin. Thank you. Plays for Butler. Easy, easy mistake. <laughs> and the only, I had to jump in and correct you because I wanted to give him a shout out. He's making a push for the Van Wilder House this year. But continue. I'll, I'll get to. I'll actually let me let me interrupt you afterwards. This as well. <laughs> but so Kamar Baldwin. He's. I mean, I I just feel for Jordan because he draws up this play. Baldwin streaks across again. Point seven seconds left. And Baldwin takes a dribble, thinks he has enough time to take a dribble and, and then launch a shot. Like, dude, get rid of the ball. So I just felt bad for Butler's head coach because you draw all that, all those plays up for nothing. Yeah, I want to jump in because you mentioned that um, I'm not down on Baylor, right? I, I want to get that on the record. I said I was down on Bell, Baylor relative to them being above Duke. I wouldn't necessarily agree with that. <laughs> I like this Baylor team a lot. I like Scott Drew. Uh, I think it's a stereotypical, super athletic, great defensive team um, that Baylor has. When they played Arizona this past weekend, I was very surprised to see in the scorebook that they're they're kind of do-it-all glue guy, Mark Vital, your boy, Dick Vital, however they pronounce it, didn't even score against you. And he's not never been much of a scorer, but he's, he's that guy that, 
takes on the identity identity of the team, similar to what Rico Gathers would have done. I know it's a different position, but um, incredible it, comparison. I talked to my buddy, who's a huge Baylor fan from Waco. He said every year Baylor has a Quincy AC Rico Gathers type. That's Mark Vitale. Yeah, so th- that's definitely there. And then the reason I like this team more this year is because if you recall, you know they had a good team last year, but so much their offense it would run through Makai Mason at the end of the game and he he was just like such an outlier with the way that that team decided to play and this year it seems like they're I think their leading scorer is Jared Butler who was you know he can light it up um and their their other transfer was a guy T I don't know where he is but he's kind of taken on that Makai Mason role this year so they're 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 super athletic they got a guy named Bandu great name Bandu um, I, I like Baylor to, I definitely could see them making a run to the final four. It's just a matter of, as it sits right now, not, not super, super impressed. And you're right. They didn't look great against Arizona when you guys played them over the weekend. You know, Bandu is not even the best name on the team either. Cause Flo Thamba is probably the best name on the team, which is just an, inc- I mean, an incredible name. Um, I will such, say such a deep, Deep team, deeper than a Lou Malnati's deep dish in Chicago. <laughs> How about that, Father? I can appreciate that. And real quick, Taylor, before you continue, to circle back to that uh, Van Wilder house refi with Kamar Baldwin, the previous Van Wilder house guy for Butler, uh, Roosevelt Roosevelt Jones. It's Roosevelt something. That's right. He's yeah. He's in there. Good God, he was there forever. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it's uh, Kamar Baldwin. He started as a point guard as a freshman and he's just there he's never gonna you might go to the nba like uh, shelvin mack would have done for them but like you just exist long enough in tough butler games nba scouts and be like who the fuck is this guy like i want him on my team and then you got a 12-year nba career and then uh, we'll probably meet the next one this year when they're playing in a speed 16 game uh where was i I don't even remember. Flo, you're talking, yeah, you're talking oh, yeah, about cool Flo name, yeah. Well, sorry, I started looking up Lou Malnati's because I was just going to uh, point out that uh, there are four Lou Malnati's locations in Arizona. I believe they're the only locations outside of really? the, greater, the greater Chicagoland area. There's a anyway. few outside of O'Hare that I, I tend to frequent when I, whenever <laughs> I'm passing through. Well, next time you're in the desert, we got that option for you, That's too. Good. No big yeah. deal. So, uh, you know, Baylor is kind of regarded as a really good offensive team this particular year. I don't think that they're regarded as an awesome offensive team every single year. Uh, We've talked about how athletic they usually are, but they don't necessarily uh, have a lot of shooters. A couple of years they have, like the Brady Heslip years, so on and so forth they have. Now, their offense is regarded pretty highly this year. But I would actually say that the knock on them, from my personal standpoint and what I've seen them from them is their offense in their three, their three toughest games, Washington, Arizona, and Butler. And you can say Villanova might be in there too, but knowing what we know about Villanova now, I'm going to say, I'm going to say that Washington was a harder game than Villanova was in those three games. They shot 35, 33 and 30% from the field. And those are against their only, you know, three of the four good teams that they've played this year. So I would say that their offense in tough games is actually a detractor to them and not a good thing. Their early offense is great, but Arizona held them to literally 20 something percent from in the second half against them the other night. Same thing happened here. I don't have the exact percentage in front of me about the Butler game, but similar scenario where, you know, what did Butler score 17 points in like the first or uh, Baylor scored like 17 points in the first eight minutes and then only managed like 35 the rest of the 
32 minutes in the game. So I think that actually is they're going to be their biggest problem this year. Is they're going to be able to outscore and run with all the bad teams that they play. But I don't know if they're going to be able to outscore any of the really good teams that they play. Yeah, like well, Ar- I, like Arizona. I mean, come on. I know you guys said think it's a road game, but Sue, you you texted it like literally nobody was at that game. Everybody was watching the Big Twelve Championship, so it was kind of a home game actually for Arizona. And even well, even saying, their first I, game yeah. was in like their 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 Washington game was where it was. It wasn't in even, Anchorage. It was, it was in, in it was at the oh, yeah. it was at the Alaska Airlines Center in Anchorage, Alaska. Basically, actually. a foreign well, country. Yeah, probably well, I, a I, below I, average I, arena right there. I, yeah. It, oh, a hundred percent, a million percent. Um, but I'm saying like, as we go towards the tournament, like this team isn't going to outscore Ohio state, in my opinion, this team's not going to outscore Kansas. And although those might be final four teams, don't get me wrong. I think that's going to be the problem because it reminds me a lot of like actually an Arizona team from like 2013 or 14, where they just shut everybody down, but only win the game, the tough games by like three to five points. And we know how that turns out that you're going to run into a team that is just better offensively than you are, and they're going to beat you. And so I think that this team also has a Final Four type of aspiration, but I would before I would make that proclamation, I would say that I need to see them play better offensively against good teams and not just against the bad teams that they play. I will say their last two games being at home in Waco did help them a little bit, it was for sure against Butler. Uh, so I don't know well, if they yeah, win those games uh, on the road, but those are also games that they've dropped even at home in the past. Well, let me interrupt you here. Like you, you have to shoot better than 30% from the floor on your home court in back-to-back games. And although they won those games and that, and that's of a credit to them, you can't just go your whole season shooting 30 something percent from the floor and hoping that it's going to work out because it's not going to. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I like the ability of teams to win. And when, when the shots aren't falling, I, I think that's a testament of a team that's going to win when it matters. Sure. Yeah. You got me. Th- I would, it's spinning in my head right now. Who would I pick? You know, you got, let's say you got Baylor as a three seed, Ohio State as a two seed, games being played in like Anaheim in the West region, late <laughs> March. Who would I pick in that? I, I kind of like Baylor in that spot. All right. Let I me ask Scott Drew. Hold on. Let me ask you this. Same game. They're playing your boy Luca Garza. Oh, Ohio State versus wait Baylor. Versus no, 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 Iowa? Baylor versus Iowa. Yeah. Um, See, I think oh, Baylor, Baylor, Baylor the, Baylor's deeper than Lou Malnati's. Man, they throw so many <laughs> well, big guys at Garza. Uh, oh, all right, okay, okay. Yeah, uh, I think that game would be pretty close though. And what I guess what I'm getting Gillespie. at. Yeah, Gillespie, who had a career high against Arizona, because Arizona only gives up career highs. Uh, in every single road game they've ever played of all time to oh. random to random dudes that you've never heard of before. At some uh, point, look yourself in the mirror. If it's only Arizona doing it, fucking stop doing it. No, I know. But um, I think that this team's going to play a lot of close games when it comes to those teams. So I think, like, say that Iowa game, the hypothetical Iowa game. Sure, Baylor might play that or win that game, but they might leave Iowa in the game for too long that someone like Garza scores like six points down the stretch and beats them. I think that's what I'm getting at as they're going to be their bugaboo this year is as good as your defense might be. Any team in the country can still probably score at, I, I can't tell you when, but at some point they might be able to get three buckets in a row against you as rare as it might be. And one of those times always seems to be in like the last four minutes of like a sweet 16 or elite eight game. And I think yeah. that's what their bugaboo might be. 
Could be. Based on what I've seen thus far, they've been able to hold on against quality opponents down the stretch, which is a good sign moving yeah. forward. Yeah. Sh- Shark, let me ask you and bring this up from a couple weeks ago. You had mentioned the Ewing theory. This was breaking news about J- James Akinjo and a few other Georgetown players transferring from Georgetown, and Georgetown was pretty terrible uh, a couple weeks ago. And now they have a chance to end Saturday night, enter Sunday a perfect three and oh, since you had mentioned that they got Syracuse this upcoming Saturday, they beat Oklahoma state last week. And then they won another game. I forget who care to comment on your Ewing theory. Well, not yours, but the Ewing theory. Yeah. So I tweeted when Akinjo that decided to transfer and you know, the other guys got in trouble on the team. Could the Ewing theory happen on a team coached by Patrick Ewing, which would be, very weird. The Ewing theory obviously being in the late 90s when he got hurt for the Knicks, and I think it was 1999 when they went on that outrageous run to the NBA Finals. I think it was the Finals, but um, I was young. But Pat Ewing left the team. The team played better all of a sudden. Uh, Bill Simmons pretty much came up with the idea, uses it whenever this happens in sports going forward, and it's kind of happening right now with Georgetown, but it, it doesn't totally makes sense because it implies that the best player leaves the team and if anything the best player is really asserting his dominance on the team right now and that is mac mcclung he, he he's gonna be a star in dc i know he is i there's two big radio stations uh sports radio stations in dc there's 106.7 the fan that will talk about the redskins pretty much all day even when the nats are in the super bowl and there's espn nine uh the Nats were in the World Series, excuse me. Like, they're always going to talk about the Redskins. They'll throw in some – no one will ever talk about the Wizards. You got 980, which will also always talk about the Redskins. But I was flipping through the other day, and I flip over the 980, and I'm expecting because everyone's excited about Bruce Allen maybe getting fired finally, and they're talking Haskins. And then literally there's a guy calling in wanting to talk Mac McClung. He was talking McClung. It was like a random day, and it's kind of starting to happen here. The problem is the team, they need to string together a lot more wins. So this game is pretty big for them on Saturday in D.C. at Capital One. They're playing Syracuse, of course, you know, longtime rivals. If they can get that win there, I think the momentum will really start to pick up, uh, especially when you got Maryland. That's also – there's tons of Maryland graduates in D.C. as well. So if there's two really good college basketball teams, and I'm not putting Georgetown on the same, same pedestal as Maryland, but – the excitement and the energy could come back to Georgetown, especially if they become a, a fringe tournament team, which they were last year. They just couldn't get over the top. So are you officially not going to say that this is Ewing theory because you're saying that McClung's their best player? Well, no, I will say it was a Ewing theory because without a doubt, Akinjo was their highest recruited player on the team this year. Um, but sometimes with the, when you take something, when you take someone out, someone else has to step up and McClung, I mean, he's electric. We've talked about him a ton of times on the show, and he, he's just a, a superstar waiting to happen at the college level. I'm not sure it's going to really be there at the NBA level, if at all, but he, he's going to be someone. If they can get this team consistently in the tournament and on the national stage and he can be put into the national spotlight, everybody's going to love this guy. I mean, I kind of feel like if you know college basketball, you probably already love Mac McClung. So I would be excited for a, a wider audience to to get on that bandwagon. He's, yeah, he's on, he's honestly like he, Jimmer Fredette, but can just absolutely throw down and just incredible dunks, like Zion Williamson type dunks. He's Jimmer. He's half Jimmer, half Zion Williamson. Uh, if, so if that's he, even possible. 
Is he like a likable Grayson Allen? No, because Grace, Grayson it doesn't have the electricity surrounding him that Mac McClung does and the swagger. Yeah. Definitely not the swagger. Yeah. No, hey, no, Mac no, McClung's definitely. Like, yeah, no. his uncle is riffraff. I think that's the coolest <laughs> part about Mac McClung. Well, and he wears, and Georgetown is a Jordan school, right? Yeah, it's so he's literally he's tiptoeing in his Jordans every game. Yeah, I think Mac McClung is everything that Grayson Allen wished he was in college from a perception standpoint. Maybe that's a good way. Agreed. Yes. Yeah. Is, yeah. Would it, <laughs> let's uh, if if you were to ask Grayson Allen right now if you if you had to trade your NCAA title, but you would be revered like Mac McClung or looked at or perceived as Mac McClung, does he take it? No, because there, you can't you can't replace the. the experience of being a villain I, I think that that's something people are going to remember you forever whether it's Christian Leitner or JJ Redick or anything like that like people are always going to remember Grayson Allen even though he's having a mediocre career in Utah right now uh mediocre is pretty nice yeah that's, a, no, that's definitely a, nice yeah. I think he's in Memphis uh, yeah he's yeah, in I Memphis think, yeah he did he did get he was in the Conley trade wasn't he um but McClung, he, he's not even he's not on Grayson Allen's level right now. Not enough people care about Georgetown basketball. We we the only reason we know who he is is because some guy, you know, tweeted him out sometime and you can look at the look at his dunks when he was in high school. That's the only reason why people know who he is. Um, and the other one Georgetown had to just to go back to your original point, it was on the road against SMU, who's always a tough team. So that's two road wins in one week since the Ewing theory thought was put out there. Big Grayson Grayson Allen had 15 points in 12 minutes the other night. He's back. <laughs> he scored double digits in four of his last five games. Oh, that's a hypothetical to Mac. I had, I had, like, I had no you... idea. I had no idea. Oh, I'll be like, hey, Mac, do you want to do you want to be a villain and then turn into an, a less than mediocre NBA player? <laughs> Get 15 and 12. Not bad. <laughs> Shark, uh, I want to stick with you as well because we got three good games on Saturday. One of them being Memphis traveling to your boys. GBO, Tennessee, Thompson Bowling. It's got to be rocking. Chances of there being a fight. Let me start right there. Between players or fans? No, I don't care about I don't players? care about the rednecks down there, players. <laughs> uh, low. I, th- I think it'll be low. I, I, think, th- I think it's going to be a pretty close game, uh, to be honest with you. I, I'm hoping that Tennessee can blow them out, but – I don't. I don't expect that at all. Um, Actually, higher probability of Penny just deciding to fight Rick Barnes right then and there. Yeah, uh, we've covered this topic, you know, exhaustingly for a while, and I'm very much looking forward to just finally seeing how this plays out. Looking at the handshakes, I love a good. Uh, I love a good analysis of a handshake from my couch. Uh, Post game handshakes, interactions between coaches, always love that. But this night, I'm going to be honest with you, I'm, I'm nervous. I'm nervous because Memphis definitely will be playing with a chip on their shoulder and something to prove, which they didn't necessarily – last year they had that, but it wasn't – they had this false hype associated with them. And Tennessee was just so overwhelmingly better with Grant Williams and Admiral Schofield on the team. They don't have that this year. They got John Fulkerson, and they got uh, – you know, Lamonte Turner and Jordan Bowder. And if those threes aren't falling, then we could be in trouble. But the one guy that will be able to match the energy and the, and the intensity of everyone else is Eve Pons, who is really elevating himself to the next level uh, as one of the best players on Tennessee's team this year. Crazy athletic. Taylor, any predictions for Memphis against Tennessee? 
You know, that is obviously a, an awesome rivalry game. Uh, or one that is kind of, uh, what's the word I'm uh, looking for? Uh, reinvented itself, I guess, here in the last two years or so. Uh, I I really, as much as I would like to see Tennessee win, I kind of want Memphis to hop back into the national fold, so to speak, because I have pretty high... I didn't have any real predictions for Tennessee previous to the year. Uh, I had some pretty high predictions when it when it came to Memphis. So I'd like to continue to see them uh, rise through the rankings uh, without James Wiseman so they can really hit their stretch with James Wiseman. So I'm going to be rooting... I'm going to be rooting for a Memphis win... Although if I had to, if I was a betting man, which I am, I would probably bet that Tennessee was going to win that game at home. Yeah, this is one of those games where I just really like both teams. Love te- love yeah. Tennessee and mm-hmm. how what they've been able to accomplish obviously last year and then this year. The only drawback about Tennessee and the only times I find myself air quotes root, rooting against them is just to see the shark miserable. That's that's pretty much it. Otherwise, I mean Tennessee no, is pretty yeah, nice you're program. Really, you're really good for- and for saying that, I, I, if you're if you want to bet, I know I know the barn chief is going to be boots on the ground for this one as well as some of the other guys associated with this network. Uh, there'll be boots down there. Um, if you're torn on which way to go, Tennessee has lost hasn't lost at Thompson Bowling Arena, and I think it's 31. It, actually, they might have just got 32 straight home wins, which is insane. That is a legitimate home court advantage. It is a massive arena. It's bigger than most NBA arenas. If I know a lot of people, if you haven't been there and you're just watching college games on TV, you're assuming it's just like a gym that you're used to on your campus. This is a freaking uh, beast of a building. Uh, it's huge. It's over 22,000 people, I believe. They got seats in there that like – if you got a ticket for this seat, that seat sucks. Like it's so far away from the court, you you're better just not going to the game than sitting in that seat. But they pile it in there, uh, and it, it is a legitimate home court advantage. That's not what Tennessee big- does. They've got got Neilan TBO, okay. TBA, TBA. Yeah, TBA. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I was I was going to take Tennessee, but since since he sarcastically called me a good friend, fuck it, I'll, I'll go Memphis instead. <laughs> uh, Arizona versus Gonzaga, Shark. In the desert, low key rivalry between between these two because they have been like the flagship programs of the West Coast. Arizona Gonzaga, who you got? Um, do, don't you guys play every year at this point? I feel like this you make almost. such a big yeah, you make a big deal out of it, and then like you're kind of in the same bracket each time. You're like, oh, who's gonna win this time? I'll, I'll take Arizona this year. Who cares? <laughs> Yeah, whatever. Uh, <laughs> fuck it. Let's not even. Let's just go do something else on Saturday. Maybe it's got some picnic in the park or something instead of watching college basketball. Um, I'm gonna go with Arizona, but only specifically because I think they're gonna shoot. There's no chance that they shoot. Knock on wood. There's no chance they shoot less than 26 percent from the field like they did last game. And I feel like they're they're a tough enough team and are a better team after. Uh, their experience with Baylor, and I think that'll shine through uh, with a home game. Now, if this was on the road, I would probably say Gonzaga would win this game, but I think home game, get back to some good shooting ways. Arizona actually tips off in about nine minutes right now uh, back at home. So that one game in between that Baylor game back at home, I think just because Arizona's at home, they win that game. I agree. I'm going strictly because of of them being at home. I think Killian Tilly's going to absolutely 
barbecue chase jeter down low that is gonna be a feast i'm talking like graduation party type barbecue like steaks on the grill he's chase jeter's done but i I honestly might just within first to the first two minutes i might just want coloco out there but i am gonna go arizona because of the home crowd and we've actually seen a gonzaga team uh, choke at the free throw line in McHale. It was like four or five years ago. Don't get me wrong. I forget who the the player was. Taylor at the free throw line. Byron something. Byron uh, Jones. No, it wasn't Byron Jones. But he uh, had also played for USC. It was a grad transfer. It was Byron someone something, and he had a chance. I think to either tie, yeah, maybe to tie at the line. And McHale just got so rowdy that he airballed the free throw. And this he is a missed, guard. He missed all three. Free yeah, throws. missed all Byron, three free throws. Byron Wesley. Thank you, Byron Wesley. So I'm going Arizona because of the McHale factor. And last but not least, Michigan hosting Oregon. Who you got, Wolverines versus Ducks there, Shark? Ducks. I'm going to go Wolverines because I don't think Peyton Pritchard is going to lead this team on the road against Michigan, against Javier Simpson. Xavier Simpson's hip hook shot versus Peyton Pritchard. <laughs> This might be my least favorite point guard matchup of the entire season. <laughs> I'm actually going to go. Uh, is Dante back for this game for Oregon? I think so. Ooh, Wait, no, 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 I'm not, uh, no, not yet. I think he's got to wait okay. till game yeah. 10 or 11. We're only on game I know. 10 right now. So I think he's got to wait till game 11. Because I was going to so, say that Dante versus Teskey matchup, as much as we like making fun of Michigan bigs, uh, Teskey's actually pretty good. But I'm gonna go with uh, with Michigan size down low with Teske and the little Wagner, and uh, take the Wolverines at home. All right, very last thing I want to get to before we hop into segments: Indiana beat UConn earlier this week, and of course Arizona always plays ASU. Uh, so it got me thinking: Who wins in a tag team match? Is it Sean Miller and Archie Miller, or is it Bobby Hurley and Danny Hurley? I'll start. I'm going to take the Hurley brothers because of their villainous faces, uh, the flailing around. So it might just poke an eye out or something inadvertently. I know wrestling's all fake, but they might just, whoa, whoa, whoa. It's real to me, (laughs) damn it. I know, but the flailing, you know, could inadvertently poke an eye out and they're actual entertainers. Again, some of the faces that they make, uh, the antics that they do, it's, it's just so over the top, which is exactly what refs wrestling is. Now, Sean Miller, his counterpart, he's beefy and slippery. He's basically like a marinated steak. I didn't think I'd be making <laughs> two steak references, but here we are. Beefy and slippery. Archie's just way too small, man. Archie brings nothing to the table for me, and he can get pinned down. Archie's like you could flick him like a little booger on your fingernail. So I'm going to take the Hurley brothers. Taylor, agree or disagree? Oh, I disagree because you think Ar- Archie's small? The her like Bobby Hurley is listed at 165 pounds. That's 10 pounds more than I weigh, and I'm the skinniest guy you know. Like, like that's there's no like. What do you mean flicked like a bug? And uh, we have to set some rules here. First off, are there any rules, or is this in the streets? This is like a wrestling match. Oh, okay. Then then the Hurleys like are going to be WWE uh, wrestling match. The Hurleys are going to be crying to the to the ref the entire time, entire time. And we know we know the Hurley wine faces. We know that's going to happen. Sean's going to pin this guy down and then sweat on him in his eyes. And then Hurley's going to be like whining to the ref the whole time. So I'm definitely going Miller Brothers. They're just 
they're a little more slippery. I think that I think that they're a little more ornery, not from an out outgoing perspective, but from an inside perspective. They're a little more grumpy. I think. I think the Hurleys want to make everybody think that they're grumpy and aggressive. In reality, it's like a defense mechanism because they're small and weak. Well, so I'm gonna, I'm still gonna go with the Hurleys. Here's another reason why because. Bobby got picked on by Christian, the enti- Christian Leitner, the in- the entire like time he was at Duke. Well, that you just reminded me one of my one of my points I was going to make too is that inj- car crash injury that kept him out of the NBA probably has some back issues still. Uh, Danny there or Bobby, excuse me. So that could be a problem as well. A couple of lingering issues that the Hurley brothers have. Uh, maybe not going to be able to limber up as much for this match. Shark. Who you got? It's without a doubt the Hurleys. <laughs> without a doubt. Where, where are the Millers even from? They're they're from Pittsburgh. That, I mean that don't yeah. don't tell me because I know you're gonna go the Jersey route and the 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 high school and dad Hurley and all that, but I the mean, Millers so, are from a tough area too. And their dad is also like equally as regarded as like a high school coach too. So it's a very similar like situation from oh, familial wise. He's considered the greatest high school coach of all time. That's funny. I well, thought there I mean, was he's, one. Well, he's considered the greatest like high school coach in Pennsylvania history. So it's not like a it's not oh, like they didn't okay. come from a sa- from a same family type of so situation. Just, so just just one state, not like the world, like Bobby <laughs> Hurley is. I mean, they, Bobby Hurley, the, the Hurleys, they played at Jersey City, the Miracle of St. Anthony's. I mean, are you guys kidding me? They they are tough as nails. Their dad probably beat them growing up. They're they're <laughs> hound dogs trained in the woods, trained in the field. They're animals. They're absolute animals, and you can see it in their behavior on the court. Sean Miller, kind of fat. Let's call it what it is. He's a little bit chubby. The other guys are in good shape. Um, you want to talk about Bobby Hurley? I, I mean, just, he was an elite basketball player. He was great at what he did. He, he was known for his toughness on the court. And I, I know, Sue, if you're going to be like, oh, you're going to talk about reading the miracle of St. Anthony again. Yeah, Jersey City, yada, yada, yada. Here's a news flash for you, buddy. Yes, I did read the miracle of St. Anthony written by Adrian Wojnarowski, the guy that breaks NBA news all the time. But I also read another book. Oh, that summer, guy? Oh, I didn't know that. Like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Here's another book I wrote. This book I read this summer. All right, it was a good summer read. It was called "The Greatest Game Ever Played." It was about UNC versus Duke in 1991, 92, whatever it was. The Christian Leitner shot. You know who wrote that book? You know who wrote that book? Sham Sharanya, at like well, two years old. Gene Wojciechowski, the guy that does college game day. So pretty much any any guy ending with a ski will write a book about a Hurley at any point. And I read both those books, and the one thing that I came out of it knowing without a doubt, is that Bobby Hurley is the toughest motherfucker of all time. Yeah, he was picked on by Christian Leitner. Yeah, he was harassed. Yeah, he was bullied. Yeah, he was all that things. But he kept coming back for more. You can't kill that guy. He will be back. He played games with broken bones. He's, he is tough as nails. There was no way he would let fat Sean Miller beat him in any sort of fight. And Archie Miller can jump and scream as much as he wants, and he's not going to do anything about it. Go Hurley. You're yelling at the wrong guy. I took the Hurleys. You, you see, uh, uh, Taylor, sorry about that. <laughs> uh, no, yeah, just redirect it over here. See, I don't think, I I just don't, I'm not subscribing to that. I think the Hurleys are like the epitome of the fake tough guy, which is like what every white dude that ever went to Duke is, the fake oh tough guy. Oh my God. Well, you're insane. I mean. You're absolutely insane. I don't know how you're going to, I don't know how you're going to tell me about Bobby Hurley who like owns like horses and went was the guard, a guard at like the most prestigious like gonna, school, gonna, school uh, in the country is gonna, gonna beat down some 
uh, East Pennsylvania brothers there. Do you know any, are you saying owning horses and being into the horse racing in- industry is somehow considered soft? Is that what it's you're suggesting? It's kind of a white collar industry to be in, isn't it? Oh, you don't know much, my friend. You've never been up as to an owner, in the as an owner, as an owner. Yeah, probably because he is extremely successful because of his toughness that allowed him to be successful. <laughs> well, God, horse racing is a tough industry. Well, yeah, not as an owner. You're not down there in the stables every day. What do we want to do? Be a farmhand while he's extremely successful? <laughs> Milk the cows. Yeah, we yeah. do. Actually, <laughs> take one to the chin from, the, from a horse's <laughs> oh. First in, last out. But yeah, I shark. I don't know why you're... And, you're... and you're holding the fact that he went to Duke, a Percy University, against him. If anything, that makes him Teflon. The fact that he did. He, he could have gone anywhere in the country, and he wanted to go to Duke. He wanted to play for Krzyzewski. He wanted to do it. He wanted to be the, the lightning rod to be attacked on every – he's the smallest guy on the court all the time. It didn't matter because he's tough as shit, and he's going to beat the crap out of you, and he's going to win. Uh, I think he got two, two rings while he was there. Well, that's another reason why the Hurley brothers are going to win because Bobby's – WWE loves a villain. They crown the villains. He's a villain. I mean, Sean and, Sean and Archie just – aren't on that same level of relevancy. Although I'll say this much, I can't wait for Sean to beat the absolute hell out of Bobby twice this year uh, in, in basketball. Maybe the, Hur- physically. the Hurleys are the type of guys that would get up and celebrate whether they won or lost. As we've seen before, Bobby Hurley pumping up the crowd, like down 12 after he's getting kicked out of an ASU game, crying to the refs. That's the image I have. That's the now Bobby Hurley. You're talking about the Bobby Hurley from 20 years ago. All right. The now Bobby Hurley whines and planes and celebrates losses. Well, yeah, uh, as a coach, I'm talking about just as a no-holds-bar wrestler. Give me, give me the Hurley brothers. <laughs> Since Let me ask one question. Since Bobby Hurley has been at Arizona State, who – like, what are the tournament records between Arizona versus Arizona State? Sean Miller versus Bobby Hurley. Head-to-head or tournament no, records? No, they would never play in the tournament. In the tournament records. Well, are we counting NCAA playing games tur- as a win? How many wins does Arizona have since Bobby Hurley's been in Arizona State? When did he start? 2014? Uh, Hurley started in 15. 2015? So I think, like, I think it's 2-1. to one. Yeah, because Hurley would have uh, got – he got a play-in game. I know that. You guys lost to Buffalo that one year. Good Buffalo team. Propelled Nate Oates' career. Uh, just saying. You guys you guys think you're high and mighty on, on the totem pole here. Bobby Hurley, junkyard well, dog, man. I, I think that because we beat the hell out of him every single year except for last year. Those are his first two wins against us. You know uh, this. Arizona, Arizona since 15 has uh, went to the Sweet 16 uh, in 16-17 and lost to Xavier. So – uh, that would be more Two. wins. Two. Yeah, yeah. Two because they haven't won a, won one since. Bobby's got one, right? Yeah, he's got St. John's. One of the worst yeah. basketball games I've <laughs> yeah, ever seen. Right. One of the worst yeah. playing games yes. I've ever seen. Uh, regardless, I love that hypothetical. Thank you for voting on on my tweet. Hurley ver- Hurley brother versus Miller brothers. How did that turn out? By the way, I think it was fifty fifty. Wow. Last wow. So we so we solved nothing here essentially. Well, and this oh, we I'm did. not even three. Oh wait, I'm, no, I'm I, not, I didn't I, vote yet. I didn't. You tweeted that out. I didn't vote. Oh no! Oh, shit. <laughs> I'm about to swing it right now. Swing I actually vote. don't know if I voted either, but but we're on the <laughs> same over. side, so whatever. Uh, <laughs> with that being said, we will go ahead take a quick break and get a message from our guy Zach at the Barnburner Podcast Network. All right, let's round this out with uh, "Where Am I?" and hugs. Where am I? Where am I? It's Taylor, it's your week. Yeah. So I I went with a, a kind of a 
more well-known guy, I think, to the normal people than you did, and then you two both did. Uh, but his story is still great, and I went with West Virginia legend Kevin Pitsnoggle. Um, he uh, made a run in the, was it the 05, I believe, tournament there with West Virginia. He was uh, like the freshman of the year in uh, in his conference, and they lost to Texas on a buzzer beater um, in the tournament. Pitsnoggle, just a classic West Virginia guy. He uh, grew up in West Virginia. He went to West Virginia. And now after college, he didn't make any pro teams after, I think he went to the D League for like a day. And uh, he became a car salesman and is now a special education teacher in his hometown of Martinsburg, West Virginia. Could you imagine your high school teacher being 6 foot 11, 300 pound Kevin Pitsnoggle. I just, oh, I looked up the photo of him right now. <laughs> How have the years treated him? Oh, not good. At 35 years, come on, Pitsnoggle. But there, the uh, hold on, I'm recovering as, he, as I look at this. He, the, he looks like he, no, he looks like he's 45 years old. He looks he like, like such a like West Virginia dad. He doesn't look good, but literally, my first reaction to this photo that I'm looking at, he looks like JB. Soup, our boy. Oh, Jason Brown. JB. Last Jason chance Brown. He looks exactly like JB from Last Chance You. I thought it was him. Oh my <laughs> God. I'm in utter shock right now. He looks just like him. But good for him. It seems like he's made, a, found a great little niche and career for himself. He's a West Virginia god. Um, anytime Country Roads comes on, that guy probably just lights up. You know, you know he didn't get his high school jersey retired until like last year. I mean, that's insane. <laughs> yeah. Come on, have well, some like, respect. Like, what are we waiting for? You know, like, like at least trot this guy out in his prime, not with him and his, like, I guess yeah. he has like, se- I guess he has like seven kids and stepchildren and like a bunch of kinfolk and shit around him. So like, at least trot him out in his prime, not like now when he's three, pushing 350 or 325 at 611. I always think it's funny when like two players from a team one just goes on to have a sweet career and then the other one just sort of goes off. Like, do you think Steph Curry still talks to his Davidson teammates at all? And I'm sure they're oh, doing yeah. fine in the corporate wor- world, but I mean, do you like, I, I would just like to see a reunion of some sort. And then Mike Gansey walks in, who's like in the front office of the Cavs and then Pitts Noggles like, Mike, what's up, baby? <laughs> it's funny you bring up Davidson. Cause I only almost went with Andrew Lovedale for this segment. Here. Yeah, he was awesome. <laughs> oh, he was man, so I good in that tournament. Him. Yeah, Lovedale. Oh, that's a but, good one. <laughs> sorry, I stole. Sorry, I stole a potential future one. But I had actually. It's funny you brought that up because I'd actually considered. I was going through that roster of those teams, trying to figure out what they were doing. But then Pitsnoggle crossed my board there, and I just I, I dove in. So I just I just picture it like the Zoolander family. They're just sitting in that bar next to the coal mine, and it's Derek's brother Vince Vaughn and. His dad, John Voigt. That's like that's Pitsnoggle, and then Zoolander is Mike Gansey coming in from like the Cavs, and same with John Beeline, him too. I you said he's selling cars somewhere in West Virginia. He he did how, he did, and oh, then he now did? he's now he's a special education teacher. Yeah. How if you were a diehard West Virginia fan, how far would you drive just to buy a car from Kevin Pitsnoggle? Well, just I to say was, that I did it. He was standing next to a Jeep in one of these pictures, and he was like a foot taller than the top of the Jeep. Oh, <laughs> I would do that. 
Yeah, I, I can understand why he didn't make it. Maybe he just didn't. Maybe it wasn't just personally fulfilling for him because you'd think that, that you'd have just like such a, a, a market there just to buy a car from you it, because you are yeah, you, you. He was probably cleaning up while doing it. I think it was probably a personal fulfillment thing. He's like, you know, I could do this for the rest of my life and, you know, make millions of dollars doing it or I can do something I care deeply about. So good for Pit Snoggle. But really? all I know is <laughs> I would go anywhere Pit Snoggle was <laughs> and buy a car from him just so I could tell people, yeah, Pit Snoggle sold me this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you remember Kevin Pit Snoggle? Yeah. yeah. He test drove this thing with me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, well, you know what? Every single little college town has one of those dealerships and they get the local head coach, right? They Like, Ole Miss has a, a com- car commercial from 05 or 06 with Ed Orgeron uh, driving Hummers. So they probably just said, oh, great. We get two for one with Pitsnoggle. He's got to sell these things, and we can probably – I hope they trotted him out in front of the camera for all these commercials. They should have. You see, this is exactly why the new NCAA bill to like give people the right to do commercials is important because Pitsnoggle could have had like a 10-year run as a as an advertiser for this car dealership, he really could have stretched this into an entire career if he really wanted to. Changing lives. Could have bought himself a new razor or something. <laughs> Some new pants uh, and shirt. Part, part of the brand. All right, yeah. let's, let's get to hugs there. Shark, you got something for us? Yeah, I got my hugs. Uh, my hug goes out to Gus Johnson, one of the icons of this show. You can hear him as he plays us into the show. He's been getting picked on a lot recently, and this doesn't have much to do with his college basketball uh, avenue, but his college football one, because after Ohio State beat Wisconsin in the Big Ten Championship, he went down and very awkwardly gave his game and game sheet to J.K. Dobbins, where it was just like listing all the notes that he's had throughout the year, and J.K. Dobbins was like, uh, cool, man. <laughs> Didn't Wasn't very receptive of the d- gifts. And uh, a lot of people are picking on Gus for like, come on, dude, way, way to make this all about yourself. You're trying to steal the Jim Nance. I'm giving my tie to someone at the Final Four. You're, Gus is he's trying to find his own little uh, spark here. He's trying to find his own little icon associated with it. And oh. I don't, I don't hate on him for it. He why, you know, whether it's a good gift. Everyone's gotten a bad gift from someone before, but J.K. Dobbins handled it well. Let's give Gus some credit. What, what? what should Gus give to a player that he, 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 I guess, respects in his performance on the field? I like uh-huh. game notes. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> something tangible, something yeah, yeah. hanging up there. You know, come on, play off. Yeah, yeah. It's not. Like, it's not like he's wearing a jersey or he can't like give away a headset or. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd, I'd want Gus Johnson's game notes. I'd, I'd be appreciative of that. I would. Yeah, I would love. I would love Gus Johnson's pen. If I just if I saw a pen used by Gus Johnson, I'd take that and hang on to it. Getting game notes right. from the guy written about me, that's a great gift in my opinion. Hug for Gus. Yeah, well, you also got to be a complete miserable fuck to come at Gus for, number one, just doing a nice gesture. But number two, Gus is Gus is everybody's uncle. We, lo- we all love him. Yeah, 100%, 100%. All right. My hug actually goes to Blood Drives in Auburn, Alabama. Now, why is that? Did any of you guys watch the Auburn-Furman game last week? Yes. Yep. Okay. Austin Wiley, forward for Auburn, has the most vascular arms I've ever seen in my entire (laughs) life. He was at the line against Furman in a tight game, and the man just had veins popping everywhere. I've never seen such such a vascular arms. So blood drives in the Auburn, Alabama, or in the Alabama area. If you're running one of those babies, drive that truck down to, to Auburn because you'll find multiple veins. If you're looking for a vein... You got one, tons of them in Austin Wiley. 
So hug for blood drives in, in Auburn. During the holiday season, no less. Really giving. Red Cross. It. I mean, don't don't make me call the Red Cross. If, if, if the Red Cross and Titch have a little combo or conversation, I, I, might, I might get some good things in my stockings this well, year. T- tweet at him after this uh, when, you, when we post this episode. I think I got to find that picture of him because it's like he's holding the ball at his waist. So obviously all the blood's going down and it's just popping out into my living room. It's insane. <laughs> oh, well, uh, my hug is uh, a little less, I guess, giving than yours. It's actually, well, it's actually more like a giving away, so to speak. Uh, my hug is for Jamie Dixon. Not that I am a particular fan of Jamie Dixon at TCU, but his entire recruiting class of 2018 has now entered the transfer portal. So one entire recruiting class uh, has been wiped out of TCU, and I can't imagine that that's easy to deal with, nor do I think that that's going to help him keep his job there, uh, let's say that uh, going forward, because I don't know how you just recover from losing an entire recruiting class. So Jamie Dixon hug for losing one entire recruiting class less than 18 months on campus for Lost that Alan Fisher last year too didn't he yeah yep uh, my ala- old alopecia yeah was it alopecia albino. or was he albino he was albino that's right he was albino yeah, yeah. that's that's really splitting hairs oh my gosh yeah thank you thank you thank you okay thank you All right, thank that, you. Took, that took a little bit I'm, <laughs> I'm slow on the uptake today for the record i didn't laugh at that I just what, want that on like, the record. You don't like that Alopecia joke? <laughs> nah, nah, I don't like it. I, I told you one of my boys is the guy on Utah State this year, and he's he's Alopecia. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm just I'm not making fun of my boy. You know, forgot I think I, <laughs> Utah State. <guy. laughs> oh, describe the Utah State guy for us so we can find him since you don't have his name. Alopecia guy headband hits big shots. <laughs> okay. We'll keep an eye yeah. out for him. Thanks again, as always, for listening. Enjoy the rest of your week. We'll be back next week with another episode here at Theater and College Hoops.